Salute. Slancha. Cheers. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and events with your guide, master of mixology, and Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. So sit back and get ready to stir it up. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on 570 KVI. Woohoo! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio on KVI 570 AM. I am so pleased to be here. Such a special day. This is the premiere, the Northwest premiere of Happy Hour Radio. I got a shout out. Hello, Tacoma. Hello, Olympia. Hello, Everett. Hello, everybody. So glad you're here. I am your humble host, your weekend wine guy, your spirited guide, cocktail commodore, and fresh food fanatic, Christopher Chan. A little bit about me. Well, following a 15-year career at the Rainer Club, Seattle's venerable private club, as the director of Wine and Spirits, I've now embarked on my next career right here, your host. It's my sincere pleasure to also introduce our broadcast engineer and palette persona of the people, Kevin Dodrill. Good morning, Kevin. How you doing? I'm doing great. You ready to shake things up today? I'm ready to shake things up. I'm going to say a shout out to Lake Stevens. How about that? <laughs> Lake Stevens, yeah. you're on. All right. Well, welcome everybody. Now that the Super Bowl is won and the Lombardi Trophy is in its rightful place, you and I can now command the airwaves from Washington and beyond. We're going to talk to share with our listeners the best, the latest, greatest, freshest, and tastiest hour of talk on wines and wineries, spirits, cocktails, fresh food, bubbles, beers, wine education, and events around the Puget Sound. Hey, if you'd like to play along at home, see who's coming up on our on our menu, and email a question or two, please check in on our website. We've got a website at happyhourradio.net. That's happyhourradio.net. We'll chat about your question on the show and or get back to you uh, with an email. But uh, we're here on KVI 570, Saturdays, 11 a.m. to noon. Kevin, I'm so excited about this today's debut. We are featuring some great people and stories in the world of wine and spirits. Looking forward to chatting about champagne and sparkling wine with Mr. Shelby Clark, our Diamonds and Pearls segment. Also sharing the story of Seattle's first wine shop, the very first wine shop in Washington State. Champion Cellars with Monsieur Emile Ninot and reuniting with one of the coolest cats in the spirits world, my friend Ian McNeil of Glass Distillery. Hey, but right now it's my pleasure to introduce our winery of the week. Our first segment, our next guest is one of the Washington's first uh, first modern winemakers. With over 30 years of winemaking experience, he's worked for both boutique wineries and large production facilities, crafting literally tens of thousands of cases, whites, reds, rosés, and more. In fact, check this out, his 1983 Washington Cabernet Sauvignon bested the 1983 Lafitte Ross Shield at the prestigious Windows on the World Tasting in New York City. This year, 2014 marks his 18th vintage for his very own label. Please welcome winemaker Brian Carter of Brian Carter Cellars. Hello, Brian. Hey, Chris. Hey, Good welcome. to be here. Oh, welcome to Happy Hour. So, 30-year career. Tell me, how'd you get started? Well, uh, I was fortunate enough, actually, to be given a microscope when I was a child, about 12 years old, and um, I got told about these little things called yeast, and they said, well, if you want to see yeast, you have to go out and uh, start a fermentation. So I picked some blackberries down. This is down in the Willamette Valley, and I started a fermentation, and um, as I like to say, uh, looked at those little guys under the microscope, and I've been having them work for me ever since. <laughs> so wait a minute. you Someone... Sh- Gave you a microscope and told you about yeast. Did you just find that, uh, like in some orange juice in the car or something? Well, once you pick fruit and let them go, um, they usually find their own yeast. And what are those yeasts doing in the microscope? They dancing? They singing? They twirling? Oh, they're they're swimming around a little bit. <laughs> they're they're actually just floating around, uh, trying to do their job, which is making alcohol. And so it's funny because my folks are doctors, and I had a stethoscope when I was young, so I was you know taking care of the dog and. Uh, little birds that I found. Actually, they were dead. I can never get a heartbeat out of them. But <laughs> so yeast. So you're making you're making blackberry wine at 12 years old. Yep. The good old days. That's like uh, prohibition, huh? Yep. And then where'd you go? You went to school, right? You studied at uh, UC Davis. Uh, first, uh, uh, graduated from Oregon State University in what all things microbiology. Uh, then I um, got uh, in love with the wine industry. Uh, in my junior year, I went out and met uh, guys like David Lett and the uh, Oregon industry and Bill Fuller and 
and those guys. And uh, I said, that's what I want to do. So I uh, applied to go to UC Davis and spent uh, a couple years down in California before turning to, returning to the Northwest. I love it. We're talking to Brian Carter with Brian Carter Sellers here on Happy Hour Radio and KVI 570, chatting about how he got started in the wine business. So do you still have that microscope? I do, as a matter of really? fact. Really? Is it plastic? Do you still have your stethoscope? Um, I don't think so. I still like to play doctor, though, if that's any consolation. Uh, it is metal. It's uh, cool. It's nothing fancy, but... Um, okay, so um, you got out of school, and you, you found your first wine gig? Uh, my first wine gig uh, was actually down in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Uh, that was back in 1978, uh, my pro- first professional wine job, a uh, place called Mount Eden Vineyards. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. And what were the first wines you uh, crafted, vinted, fermented? Uh, they're big into Chardonnay and Pinot Noir and some Cabernet as well. Ah, and then so where did you go from Santa Cruz? Uh, I moved from uh, Saratoga to Calistoga uh, and made wine for Chateau Monolina in 1979. Really? That's cool. That sounds like a, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Steve Miller song from uh, Saratoga to Calistoga. <laughs> So, uh, Chateau Montalena, and how long did you uh, work at there? Uh, almost a year. Well, yep. And so they're they're known for their Chardonnay and their Cabernets. Exactly. That's fantastic. In fact, they won. Didn't they win something big back in the seventy uh, six? Uh, yes, their nineteen seventy six Chardonnay. Uh, you know, won at the Paris tasting. Uh, beat out all those uh, French wines. The Judgment of uh, Paris. Yep, very famous. And then, of course, there's that uh, famous movie, uh, Bottle Shock. Yeah. <laughs> I love that story. So you were there, and then uh, how do we get the pleasure of having you in Washington State? Well, I always uh, intended to come back to the Northwest. Uh, that's where I grew up, and uh, I came very close to taking a uh, position in Oregon, uh, and I, I do love Pinot Noir, but I just liked the dynamic aspect uh, that Washington had. With um, At that point, it was quite a bit more limited than what Washington State has today, obviously. But even back in 1980, when I got here, there was Chardonnay, there was Cabernet, there was Merlot, there was Riesling, there was Gewurztraminer, there was Limburger, and uh, and a couple others. And uh, it was a, a, a very dynamic industry that that was I felt was just ready to take off. And how do you think the uh, industry has changed when you got here today uh, to now today? Well, probably the biggest difference, uh, obviously, other than the fact that it's grown, uh, you know, gone from uh, 16 wineries when I got here to uh, 800 now, um, is the reputation. Because uh, when I left California and told people I was going to move to Washington State to make wine, they kind of, you're, you're leaving the Napa Valley to go make <laughs> wine in Washington State. And of course, there was a uh, a little volcano that had just actually erupted that May of the year. And so, oh yes. So one person even said, "Isn't it dangerous up there?" That's right. <laughs> May eighteenth, nineteen eighty. We're chatting with Brian Carter with Brian Carter Sellers here in Happy Hour Radio. And um, tell me, you're making wine now for Brian Carter Sellers, and you focus on blends. Is that correct? Exactly. How many wines are you making now? Uh, it depends a little how you count them, because there's a few that I don't make every year, but um, somewhere around uh, 10, 12 wines. Wow, that's together. cool. And they're all blends, correct? Well, actually included in that is uh, maybe two wines a year that I make that are mostly just for my wine club under what we call our one label, one mm. variety, oh, okay. uh, one vineyard, uh, relatively small amounts. 98% of what we make, though, is blends. And your first vintage was 1997? Uh, correct. Yeah, very cool. So some of the names of your blends I noticed are very interesting. Where were these inspired from? Oh, there's a process. Uh, you know, we have um, uh, uh, different names. Uh, they often are inspired by sort of more European traditions. Some of them are uh, made-up <laughs> names. Um, uh, I just happen to have a, a wine in front of me here called Trentenaire, which was actually a wine that was named... Uh, Shortly after my 30th vintage in Washington State, Trentenaire oh, mean, yeah. means of 30 years um, in French. And so I decided to name that wine Trentenaire. How uh, appropriate. I love it. We're talking to Brian Carter with Brian Carter Sellers. If you'd like to find him online, it's BrianCarterSellers.com. Or if you want to do some Twitter, find him at Brian Carter Wine, at Brian Carter Wine on Twitter. Uh, Christopher Chan, your host of Happy Hour Radio here on KBI 570 AM. We're going to be right back, take a short break, come back and chat with Brian Carter Sellers, and then dive into Shelby Clark with Diamonds and Pearls from Tatin Jade on Happy Hour Radio.
Looking for fresh marketing ideas? Find them with Christopher Chan and Happy Hour Radio. Just click happyhourradio.net and connect with him today. That's happyhourradio.net. And stay tuned for Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan, right here on 570 KVI. That's the sound my coffee mug made when it hit the kitchen floor after I realized my 16-year-old son was addicted to meth. This is the sound of him being rushed to the hospital after we found him strung out on his bedroom floor. And this is how it sounds when he tells you he's finally ready for treatment. If you're in recovery from addiction, share your story with the partnership at drugfree.org. Your story can change someone else's. From the partnership at drugfree.org and partnership for a drug-free Washington. Time for another round. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Seattle's most spirited hour of talk with Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. And welcome back to Happy Hour Radio on KBI 570 AM. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier and previous wine director, wine pro, cocktail commodore, etc. Here talking with Brian Carter of Brian Carter Cellars. Coming up in the show, we also have uh, Shelby Clark going to chat about some bubbles for Valentine's Day and uh, Seattle's first wine shop owner, Emil Nino of Champion Wine Cellars. But back to Brian. So, Brian, tell me about a couple of your favorite blends you make, the names and what are the blends? Sure. Um, we have just one white wine blend. Uh, it's called Oriana. It's a blend of Viognier, Roussan, and a small amount of Riesling. And uh, its name is Oriana, which is uh, basically derived from an Italian woman's name, uh, meaning golden lady. Oh. So um, uh, we thought it was a beautiful golden color and be a, a great name for a wine. I've uh, had that wine. It's really a lovely wine. I like the fact that it's a blend because it, it's very complex. It's got good acidity and it has some richness uh, from the Viognier, um, but lots of flavors in there. I always like to say it's all about balance, having a balanced uh, fruit. You know, not, not overwhelmed by alcohol or oak, but nice nuances of a lot of characters. And, and, it's, interesting and it's all you, about food, too. It's, yes, it's interesting you say balance because I bet our listeners out there, when they're tasting a wine, why they like it, it's probably undoubtedly very well balanced. Good fruit, good structure, tannin, etc. So tell us about some of the reds. Uh, well, we have a Sangiovese-based Super Tuscan-style wine called Tutto Rosso. Uh, it's a blend of Sangiovese with smaller amounts of Cabernet and Syrah. Uh, great with Italian food, obviously, uh, and uh, grilled salmon. We have a wine called Bizance, which is a Southern Rhone style, or actually Chateauneuf de Pop style blend, dominated by Grenache. But wait, has- wait, Chateauneuf de Pop, now you're getting me confused. <laughs> That's the house where the Pope lived? It is, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Way uh, back when, in the 11th century, 12th century? A lot of people don't realize that the Pope lived in France for a while. Yeah, and, uh, good old days. <laughs> and uh, that that was uh, that piece of property uh, was uh, his vacation spot, I guess, uh, uh, where the Pope used to leave Avignon and go up to uh, the Chateauneuf de Pop area, and um, and it just turned out to be a, a world class wine region. And uh, winemakers all over the world are emulating uh, that style of blend, typically a Grenache based blend. They also call them GSM, Grenache Syrah Morved, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Washington State turns out to be a fantastic area for those Rhone varieties. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about Grenache uh, and Morvedra coming out of Washington, especially in the, the most recent vintages of 2010 and 2011 that we've had. So, again, the Super Tuscan is uh, was called Tudoroso? Yes. Tudoroso. And then the Byzance, uh, which is the Southern Rhone French-style red with Grenache. Right. I love those. I can't wait to try them. And the labels you've got are very pretty. Tell us about uh, how those came to be so lovely. Well, our... Uh, theme is kind of the passion for the art of blending, and so we felt very important to have uh, kind of an artistic approach to our wine labels. Uh, it's not just about drinking wine. It's about the whole experience of the, the bottle that you have on your dinner table, uh, and you, you need something uh, attractive to add to the meal. And uh, so we hired uh, we, who we think is the, the best label designer, happens to be local, but he uh, travels around the world and does um, wine labels. His name is Stephen Black, and uh, he's uh, done all of our wine labels for us, and we get a lot of compliments for them. They are striking, very lovely wine labels. And if you want to check these wine labels out, please visit com, or even better yet, uh, head out to Woodenville and visit his tasting room. You've got a tasting room 
room out there, and what are the hours for the tasting room? We are open seven days a week uh, from noon to five. A little bit extended uh, some generally some of the Friday and Saturday hours, uh, a little bit later than that in the summertime. But uh, love to see you out there. Love to see you all out there. Hear that? Happy hour starts at noon at Brian Carter Sellers Tasting Room in Woodenville. Brian, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks for debuting, premiering on the, the first show of Happy Hour Radio. Good to see you, and I wish you all the best of luck. Very privileged to be here and very privileged to represent uh, great Washington industry. It's a very exciting place, place to be making wine these days. You've heard it here, folks, 30-plus uh, years in Washington and, and beyond making wine. One of our uh, vaunted veterans and uh, a great guy with some serious killer wine. Check it out, BrianCarterSellers.com. So uh, if you can't get that for Valentine's Day, I want you to be thinking how to impress that person. It's all about the bubbles. In our Diamonds and Pearls segment coming up next, we've got Shelby Clark, ambassador for Tat and & Jay and Domaine Carneros Sparkling Wine. Shelby, good morning. Good morning. Hey, hey, so tell me, you've got some great bubbles for Valentine's Day? Absolutely. What do you got? Well, I brought two wines today from Tattinger Champagne. And I also do have uh, their sister property in California called Domain Carneros. Domain, so what's the domain mean? Uh, basically the house. The house, okay. Yeah. And that's in Carneros. This is in Carneros, <laughs> and Carneros is just tucked uh, below Napa and Sonoma in California. Okay, so champagne and sparkling wine. Shelby, tell me what's the difference. I would say the biggest difference is going to be the place. Champagne is a town that makes uh, sparkling wine from France. Yeah. So... Uh, sparkling wine in California is sparkling wine. Uh, they can made, be made exactly the same way, uh, but that would be the biggest difference. Okay, and who is Mr. Tattinger? Well, Tattinger was started um, in the 30s, and uh, it was founded by the Tattinger family and is still run to this day by the Tattinger family for over 80 years now. And then when did they, they branch out to America? Uh, in 1987. In 1987, uh, they partnered with Eileen Crane, a uh, native winemaker in California, and started uh, a winery called Domain Carneros. So, sparkling wine, everyone thinks it's for a special occasion. I really think, personally, it's for every day. You can't, why not start with, <laughs> celebrate your life? Absolutely. And have some sparkling wine. So, if I'm going to be drinking cham- uh, champagne from Titan J, what are the different flavors or bottles, uh, you know, brands that you've got? I know there's something called Brut, uh, Blanc de Noirs, and... Premier now, now, the Domain. one that you'll see mostly is the Brut La Francais. Um, that's their classic champagne, very dry in style. And the overall house style of uh, Tattinger is elegance, finesse, uh, very Chardonnay-driven. Um, as you know, there's mostly just three grapes in, in champagne, which is Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. Um, but their style is to go more towards Chardonnay, which gives you that more crisp, clean um elegant style. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm sure for all of our Happy Hour listeners, did you know, here's something to to quiz all your friends on, that champagne is typically a blend of two red grapes and a white grape. A lot of people don't think that, uh, you know, you can get white wine from red grapes. That's called Blanc de Noir. Correct. White from black. But um, you're right. So in champagne, they can only grow, well, shoot, they can grow like six grapes, but we're only going to talk about three. Sure. Champagne, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. Um, and so, basically, the style of champagne is all about the structure of the fruit, right? You've got the Chardonnay to add elegance, and then the Pinot Meunier for fruit, and Pinot Noir for structure, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they do make other styles of champagne, but uh, overall, uh, they generally go towards that more elegance, tiny bubbles, uh, if you will. <laughs> tiny bubbles. That's right. That's right. So uh, they're in Carneros in California. And why is Carneros a significant place to be starting a champagne or a sparkling wine production? Well, it's, you know, just like in Champagne, uh, cooler climate, uh, which Carneros does have. And they found that Pinot Noir and Chardonnay just do extremely well there. And uh, the Tattinger family, when they went over uh, to California, they wanted to grow some of the best sparkling wine uh, there. And they started it in 1987. That's a lot of history there. Yeah. And I've been to Domain Carneros in California, and it's a beautiful place. I would urge everybody to go there. It's probably, you can find it online at DomainCarneros.com. Yes. Excellent. And if you're uh, playing along at home, you can check in to uh, to look at Tattinger Champagne. Um, it's under the Co-Brand label, or Co-Brand uh, umbrella, CoBrandWineAndSpirits.com. You can see a whole host of fantastic wines and some spirits as well. That's where you'll get uh, the handle on Tattinger Champagne, Domain Carneros. We're here right now speaking with Shelby Clark, who's the brand ambassador for Tattinger on Happy Hour Radio. So, 
if I'm going to surprise my sweetheart with uh, some champagne, what do I need to do? What's the temperature? How do I open it? And what can I serve it with? Uh, well, temperature, I like serving champagne extremely cold. Um, and for Valentine's, I think one uh, wine can go with whatever you like, if you will. Uh, but there are certain pairings, and I think champagne just does extremely well with um, an abundant amount of food, different types of foods. Uh, I like steak and lobster, actually, on Valentine's. <laughs> I think it's a, a perfect combination. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, you know, there's other things you can get into with champagne, with caviar and oysters and triple cream cheeses, but uh, just kind of a classic pairing. I, I think, you know, the acidity uh, in champagne makes it, go so well yeah. with so many different it's types great of foods. palate cleanser. And you're right. Uh, uh, by the way, Mrs. Clark, uh, Shelby likes uh, steak and lobster for Valentine's Day. <laughs> i got to give a shout-out to my friend Dale Shiro over at uh, seattlecaviar.com because that's where I get my little fish eggs to, to pair with um, champagne. Yeah. And for all the listeners out there, you know, there's champagne is so elegant, but yet it's so simple in terms of what it can be paired with. Personally, I have it with Lay's potato chips, and I have it with truffled popcorn. Yeah. Does and it, then that's, that that's the difficult. best hors d'oeuvre. You know, you're not loading up too heavy. It's just delicate and fresh. Um, and Domaine Carneros does the same kind of wine as the Tatanjay. So, is it a French winemaker? Is Emile? Yeah, um, I'm sorry. In, in she, it, yeah, Eileen Crane. No, she's from the. Uh, she's from California. Okay. Uh, she has uh, been with the winery for uh, almost 30 years. And um, one thing about Domaine Carneros too is they use 100% estate organically grown fruit. And uh, but she's been at the helm since they started. Uh, they do have another gentleman that's making their uh, still Pinot Noir program. His name's T.J. Evans. So they do make a small bit of uh, of uh, still okay. Pinot Noir. So they're using so. The, the red grapes to make uh, red wine as well. So back to how do we serve it? We know what we can serve it with. Apparently, steak and lobster, potato chips and popcorn, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cheese and caviar, and actually you can pair it with anything in the world. Trust me. As long as you're drinking champagne, life is good. Yeah. And there's sparkling wine. So. Um, how do you open it? What's the safest way to open it? I've seen that cork actually, you know, so break I, a glass across the table. What's yeah. the best way to open that stuff? Uh, well, unless you could saber it, for sure. Um, I, you know, they took all that time to put the bubbles into the bottle the way that they did. I think that they should stay the same as you pour it into the glass. Um, so, like you see on TV with the loud pop and celebrating and the it's overflowing is uh, is actually not the way to go. Um, I like to open the, the bottle as quietly as I possibly can, just that nice sound that you can get out of it. Um, you definitely have to have both hands on, on the bottle. It's hard to, uh, to kind of demonstrate without watching somebody do it. But um, <laughs> Unless you've won the Grand Prix race, and then yeah. it's the bubbles galore, yeah. right? So I'd just say keep your hand on the top of the bottle. You know, a uh, little trivia is actually six turns on the cage that you open on the champagne bottle. And you say um, Don't take your hand off, and I, I say... Uh, uh, you twist the cork out of the bottle and not not pull it, or you push the cork out of the bottle. Excuse me, as you're turning it, and um, then you should serve it up nicely. Interesting. So we have champagne, the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful wines in the world. That's also deadly. You watch out for that cork. So. Um, if you want to get some great bubbles for your Valentine's sweetheart, I invite you to check out Tatinje Champagne and Domaine Carnero Sparkling Wine. Um, you can look them up online. And uh, I'm here with Shelby Clark, the ambassador. I want to thank you for coming in and giving us a little heads up, uh, uh, tips for uh, Valentine's, which is coming up. Um, coming up next in our uh, segment, we're going to have... We're going to sit down with the first, the owner of the first wine store in Washington. You've got to look back 30, 40 years, and uh, this is Emil Nino coming up on Happy Hour Radio. But Shelby, thanks so much. A toast to you Thank and yours for Valentine's Day. Yeah, thanks on for KBI having me. KBI 570. Thanks. Looking for fresh marketing ideas? Find them with Christopher Chan and Happy Hour Radio. Just click happyhourradio.net and connect with him today. That's happyhourradio.net. And stay tuned for Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan, right here on 570 KBI. Our nation's sea services protect our waterways, eliminate threats around the world, and safeguard Americans at sea. They have been a vital part of our nation's defense since 1775. Help keep our sea services strong. Support our Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, and U.S. Flag Merchant Marine by enrolling as a member of the Navy League of the United States, the number one advocate for our sea services. Learn more at NavyLeague.org. 
The Navy League is a CFC participant. Grab a stool. You're listening to Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio, with master mixologist Christopher Chan. That's right, master mixologist. That's me. Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio on KBI 570 AM. Hey, we just had a great segment on Tatinje uh, Champagne with my friend Shelby Clark. And uh, we just wanted to f- f- uh, figure out, how do you really say Tatinje? I've heard, I, w- I want to call it French because I you know, pretend I'm French sometimes, but what's the real pronunciation? You're asking a guy from Texas? <laughs> I guess I am. <laughs> so re- regardless of how you say it, people, Tatinje, Tatinger, Tatinje, it doesn't matter. They say, it, they say it the both ways uh, uh, at the winery, and I've, ho- I've heard it both ways. So All right, so you're not wrong either way. The most important thing is you're drinking champagne. So that's, if you're drinking champagne, you're always right. That's what I say. That's right. And um, a little bit of trivia, folks. Did you know that uh, Eileen Crane, who's the winemaker uh, for Domaine Carneros Sparkling Program, was a classmate of our first guest, our winery of the week, gentleman, Brian Carter of Brian Carter Cellars. You were both classmates back in uh, UC Davis? Yep. When's the last yep. time you saw Eileen? Uh, you know, not that long ago. Uh, we, we see each other occasionally, occasionally at uh, different wine shows and stuff. I have been to the winery and visited her there. Um, uh, she's a great gal and uh, a great winemaker. She's a very nice lady, and that's so cool. I mean, the, the world of wine is really, really small, even though it's got 100,000 different flavors to, to enjoy. So, uh, Brian, thanks so much for being here again. And Shelby Clark, I appreciate that. I can't wait to jump into some of those bubbles myself. Um, Tatin J. Uh, dot com or uh, domaincarneros.com, co-brand. They, they, they both have their uh, websites, um, yeah. and you can also get them off of www.cobrand.com with a K. Okay, that's up on our website, too, at happyhourradio.net. You can find all the information there. And now it's my sincere pleasure. I mean, this is really a privilege and an honor. On our first debut of Happy Hour Radio, we are going to speak with um, the person who had the foresight to start the first wine store in Washington State. I mean, can you believe it? Looking back, in 1969, this gentleman, Emile Nino, started Champion Wine Cellars, which is really just a couple couple blocks here from uh, Como Studios. Emile Nino, bienvenue. Welcome. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Christopher. <laughs> so you are from France, I take it. Indeed, indeed. Um, but I've lived in this country for the past 40 years, so I consider myself as a true American as me well. Me too, me uh, too. Certainly. So where in France did you grow up? I grew up in uh, southern France and uh, Nice, a small town called Vence, V-E-N-C-E. Were you drinking and, some Chateau Neuf de Pop down there? Well, we're drinking a lot of rosés in those oh, days, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Provence is uh, famous for its uh, dry rosés, which are very, very popular, by the way, in this country now. So it's uh, it's been a great experience altogether. It, when did you get the wine bug? Were you drinking rosé at eight, nine, ten? Well, uh, when I was uh, ten years, twelve years old, I went to a summer camp, and uh, we just, they took us on uh, on a field trip to visit a small winery in the French Alps near Grenoble, and the small town of Die. And all these kids uh, had to taste uh, this uh, lovely. Uh, DA wine, which is a little made with muscat grape, and that's how I fell in love with wine in general. Oh my goodness, and, yeah, that's so. interesting. So uh, our first guest, Brian Carter, had an epiphany at 12 years old, and so did you. And <laughs> what summer camp is this? I think there's a lot of kids who might want to be checking this summer camp out at 12. Well, the thing is, I don't think they <laughs> they would allow the kids to try <laughs> wines. Not only that, we visited even a pipe factory. So I bought a, a few uh, pipes that were rejected. During manufacturing process. So, well, you know. we are a very progressive state. I think that might be appropriate these days with our uh, our new marijuana laws. But I digress. So, That's um, right. Champion Wine Cellars. That championwinecellars.com. Indeed, indeed. Yes. Seattle's first Seattle. wine shop. Tell us what was the inspiration to start a wine shop. Well, uh, I came to Seattle as a student and uh, naturally to pay for my studies at the UW. I worked in some great restaurants in town, <clears throat> and one of the main ones was uh, uh, where the Clark restaurants called. Uh, and uh, Bob Rossellini, who uh, later on uh, uh, created one of the greatest uh, wine lists uh, in the state of Washington, uh, winning a grand award at the Wine Spectator. And uh, when I was working uh, with uh, for Mr. Clark at the Dublin house, uh, the wine list was uh, rather meager. So it was a cocktail times in those days. Manhattan's old-fashioned martinis and a couple of wines from California, a little bit of... Uh, 
Chateauneuf du Pape for three dollars a bottle in in Seattle. I said um, when I graduated from college, yeah, I said, well, I think I'd like to get into the wine business and start a wine culture in this uh, in the state, and it's been uh, quite a success. Awesome. That's so funny because when I was in college, I was the social chairman for my fraternity, and I wanted to start a bar too. We have a lot in common. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Food and wines. And Food actually, and wines. Yes. So. Um, Obviously, the 60s were the uh, the martini culture, and I'm excited to be welcome our next guest in a little bit, uh, Ian McNeil from Glass Distillery, to talk about some vodka. But uh, here with Emile Nino, the owner-founder of Champion Wine Cellars. Tell me what was on the on the shelf back then. On the shelves, uh, we had, uh, it was very difficult to make a living in those days because uh, naturally the... Um, the state had a very strong control uh, over the uh, implementation of the laws here, and most wines in those days were smuggled from California. Smugglers. That's Bootleggers. right. There are lots, yes, yes. So if you wanted to buy some great wines, you had to go to San Francisco, uh, the city of Paris, and uh, smuggle all this wine in yourself. Wow. And quite a few people got arrested doing that oh in those days. We have to go do some ch uh, checking at Suzlo <laughs> Library and see some of those newspaper clippings, see if we can see the, uh, the mob working Seattle wine trade. So then the law, law changed in 1969, allowing individuals uh, the privatization of of uh, wine shops, and uh, I, actually, I was one of the first ones to open the wine shop, certainly. But there was a, 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 a friend of mine by the name of Phil Lang who had opened a wine shop as well in Burien in those days, oh. and he lasted like about eight years or ten years. He moved his shop to the then Olympic Hotel here in Seattle. Oh so we started about the same time. So I, I, I have to give him a lots of credit for that <laughs> as well. Okay, hopefully Bill's listening to Happy yes. Our Radio mm -hmm. here. On KVI 570. So I'm really I'm thrilled about it. The world of wine has changed a lot. I know when we chatted with Brian Carter Sellers, uh, with Brian Carter, about how Washington has changed in 30 years. What have you seen? What was really popular back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s? Well, in the 70s, fortunately, we had already this European wine culture here and not on the entire West Coast. And uh, in Seattle, we had this great community of uh, Italian uh, families in Rainier Valley. Oh, yeah. Already with the Sons of Italy, uh, Boeing. There was a Boeing uh, winemaking club. So there was quite a bit of wine made in those days. Uh, the grapes were purchased in California, brought to Seattle. Oh. And uh, so the, it's, it, it was a very strong impetus to... Interesting. So I'm mm -hmm. thinking, what do I remember from my, my high school days or teenage years trying to, you know, be naughty? I was drinking Lancers, Matus, and Bonaire White Zin. It was a sunset blush. I think that was 1985, my first bottle. That's Sorry, true. Mom. <laughs> very true, very true. Uh, low alcohol wines, very enjoyable, easy to, uh, and uh, would fit, uh, w w go with uh, most of the meals as well. So, and uh, white wines were extremely popular, but mm -hmm. we were also spoiled with these jug wines, because I remember coming from France directly to San Francisco. My, my buddies in San Francisco were amazed to find this wonderful red wine that came in, uh, in gallon jugs. In France, we had only you know, 750 bottles, but here, amazing, for $2 a, a, a gallon, you imagine it's cheaper than gasoline. You know, so it was quite a, <laughs> a surprise for a European coming oh to my. this country and living especially in San Francisco or on the West Coast. So you think jug wines will come back in the, the 2010s? I think they will, sooner or later. I think our, our wines definitely are so much better in our days. And uh, it's not, I, I don't uh, preach... Uh, drinking quantity over quality. But um, in my opinion, we have to maintain the cost of wine at a reasonable level and consider it more as a food, a daily item. Yeah. And uh, I think sooner or later we'll be producing some wonderful wines that... Um, Jug wines again, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> I'm uh, here with um, Emil Nino, the owner and founder of Champion Wine Cellars, uh, Seattle's first retail wine store, started in 1969 here on Happy Hour Radio and KVI 570. And we're chatting about wines from the 70s, 80s, 90s, jug wines in particular, but 
I remember it was the the white Zen craze was in the eighties. Is that correct? Uh, that, that was the Chardonnay um, craze. That was uh, later than that, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, eighties um, Chardonnays definitely. Rieslings were extremely popular. The white wines were a lot more popular than reds in those days, and uh, because uh, we. Uh, people substituted liquor for wine, which, and again, it's, uh, you know, wine is still a, a, a an alcoholic beverage. So it's something, <laughs> you don't substitute uh, a cocktail for wine, and you can drink more wine and, less, and fewer cocktails. No, uh, the, the results can be devastating as well, you know, if you overdo it. That's so, right. So again, moderation is the, the most important thing. That's true. We want to have a good qu- quantity of good quality. Indeed. That's indeed. exactly it. Yes. And now we do preach uh, um, responsible uh, libation and imbibing here on Happy Hour Radio. We want you to be back with us every week at 11 on KVI 570, chatting with Emil Nino, uh, the founder of Champion Wine Cellars. So if you look ahead, I know you said jug wines might be uh, coming back to vogue. What does your crystal ball say about the wine industry? I've seen wines in cans and wines in carton, little, little porta packs. What do you think is on the horizon for wine? Uh, the thing is, uh, wine, the containers naturally are very important because uh, you want to uh, have something that's economical and recyclable as well, and uh, and you have to keep the wine fresh as as fresh as possible. So, and a glass container to me is still the the, the best recipient for for that. And uh, naturally, uh, storage is uh, very important for the serious wine drinker. And more and more cellars are being built in uh, in the homes. And I have a younger generation of wine drinkers are very interested in cellaring wines because definitely the better wines really age gracefully and become excellent. I'm glad you brought that up, Emil. Tell us how we should cellar our wines for maturation. Uh, temperature is one of the uh, the important factors. Higher, um, hot or cold or whatever. Uh, medium. Want. I mean, Seattle is perfect for that because it never gets too hot or too cold here. So um, certainly, if you have a humidifier or air conditioner, it's fine. But uh, we have uh, lots of great basements in here that <laughs> are totally. Uh, 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 they they use the basements for other things than than <laughs> wine. <laughs> Uh, so you want a uh, uh, cool temperature. You want some humidity to keep the cork moist so it Indeed. doesn't dry out. Yes. And you want it to be rather dark so light doesn't penetrate the glass. And, and so vibration as well. And no vibration. So find a good place yes. that's yeah. cool, yeah. Uh, a little bit damp or humid and uh, uh, dark and with no vibration. And no off odors as well. Not you know some gasoline True. or oil <laughs> that's uh, going to penetrate the cork and affect the wine as well. Good advice. Um, tell us what... If you were to be, um, what wines would I want to pick? What are your best wines at your store? What What are the most highly prized wines you have at Champion Wine Cellars? Some of the best wines are the hardest <laughs> wines to get, unfortunately. We get them in very, very small quantities. And these are local wines. Uh, some of the top, top uh, producers from uh, Washington State, some great California wines as well. And actually, some of the rare Burgundies or Bordeaux from France, um, we we work very hard to make them available to to the public, but it's um, getting harder and harder. <laughs> well, I invite all the listeners out there in Happy Hour Radio Land to uh, visit Champion Wine Cellars. Uh, the address? It's uh, one way anyway. Anyway, just uh, two blocks away from here. Parking in the back. I mean, this oh, gentleman, yes. Emil, has been in business for forty some years. He knows what great wine is. I hope you will mm-hmm. stop by his place, say hello, and introduce yourself to some great wines. And Christopher, can I add something? Yeah. I know Brian makes a wonderful port-like wine. He forgot to mention that one. Apulento. Oh, that's amazing wine. And being French, I would pronounce the word tetinger. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Uh, Thank thanks you. so much. Coming up next, we have Ian McNeil with Glass Distillery. And I want to thank my guest, Emil Nino from Champion Wine Cellars on Happy Hour Radio, KBI 570. Thank you. Looking for fresh marketing ideas? Find them with Christopher Chan and Happy Hour Radio. Just click happyhourradio.net and connect with him today. That's happyhourradio.net. And stay tuned for Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan, right here on 570 KVI. Are you a Washington homeowner facing foreclosure? Then you need to know about Washington's foreclosure mediation program. Neutral third-party mediation services are available for you and your lender. 
If you're worried about losing your home, learn more at www.homeownership.wa.gov or call 1-877-894-HOME. That's 1-877-894-HOME for free foreclosure prevention counseling. Don't wait. Call today. The glass is always half full. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio with the Commodore of Cocktails, Christopher Chan. Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio and KVI 570 AM. We have a great debut show today. It's been so fun with Brian Carter-Sellers, Emil Nino from Champion Wine Cellars, Shelby Clark from Tatinger. And now, in our Spirits in the Sky segment, I am thrilled to welcome uh, Ian McNeil of Glass Distillery. Ian, welcome to Happy Hour. Good morning, Chris. Hey, buddy. So I see that you've got a, a, a wealth of cool vodkas and bottles here. Um, let's start out with, tell us how Glass uh, Distillery got started. You know, it is really a culmination of uh, sort of my uh, life experiences. It's kind of crazy that um, I never really thought that I'd get into the spirits business. I've been such a great consumer of spirits and wine my whole life, <laughs> <laughs> as you well know from the Rainier Club. That's right. Hey, congratulations, by the way. This is fantastic for you to get this uh, radio program going. You're going you're gonna to hit it out of the park with this. Thanks so much. I'm excited. It's all about the guests. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> So yeah, so this was this culmination, and it's really a combination of my love for science. I was a big uh, uh, science geek when I was in high school and in college, uh, and I was in the software and telecom industry most of my career. But it's really this um, this love that I have for art and uh, and for science, and two things that that I'm really proud of. Um, really, has been my experience of living in Seattle for the last 18 years, and that's the art industry, the studio glass business, mm-hmm. and uh, my love of the uh, Washington wine industry. I have. So many friends um, that that are in the business that it's fun to create something that is really a celebration of those two things. So that's right. So Glass Distillery. If you're looking uh, for all of our happy hour listeners at home, glassdistillery.com. If you want to find them on Pinterest, it's uh, slash Glass Distillery, or tweeting Twitter, it's at Glass Distillery. Pretty simple. So. Um, the wine industry is so important to glass vodka. Tell us why. Because uh, we do something that's a little bit different than most of the other uh, vodkas out there. People ask, what do you make vodka from? You can make it from potatoes. You can make it from um, wheat, rye, corn. But I choose to make mine from wine grapes because that's the celebration of, uh, of Washington State. And you know, if you are a craft distiller, which glass distillery is uh, classified as a, glass, uh, a craft distiller, you have to make at least 50% of your product has to be the base material, has to come from something produced in Washington State. Well, mine's 100% because we use 100% Washington wine grapes. And uh, those wine grapes help me produce a really elegant clean, smooth vodka. Uh, it's a sophisticated profile, but what most people say when they taste it for the first time is, oh my God, it, it tastes so, it's so, it's so nice. It doesn't have that hot burn. And, um, that's, that's to some people's liking and it's to some people's dissatisfaction. But I, I really like the way it celebrates the elegance of white wine grapes in Washington. So you use white wine grapes. Yeah, it's That's actually a, a blend of uh, Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay. <laughs> so yeah, fun. Kind of crazy, huh? So fun. So for our listeners out there, it, um, vodka by definition is odorless, colorless, tasteless. But it's interesting because we talk about vodka having some complexity, some nuance, some character. And I have to admit, uh, this is my favorite vodka in the world. Thanks, Chris. Maybe a couple others, but this is one from Washington State. And me being a wine guy, I think uh, glass vodka is ultra smooth, but it gives you a great mouthfeel. I mean, it doesn't burn. It just it always feels like it's it's like a melting ice cube on your mouth. That's on your what tongue. I'm looking for, and that's yeah. that's exactly what we get. And I'll tell you, it's a it's a local product. We have several other flavors. I know you've got right there, but. Um, uh, this is a local product, a local flavor, a celebration of Washington State that I'm taking to the global marketplace. And we'll never be able to make a lot of this. This isn't something that we're going to become a, a Smirnoff. I don't, I don't really want that. But as the wine industry has seen this, this local vor, 
adoption, both with foods and wines and beers and, and you name it. We're seeing that in the spirits industry. So there's not going to be a lot of it, but I want to present it to the, the, the finest consumers at the finest restaurants and places around the world. And that's what we're doing right now. It's a world-class product, I, I have to admit. And you have a, your distillery is down in Soto, right? We are. We're just a few blocks south of Seahawks Stadium and Mariners Stadium, right on First Avenue. Very cool. And are you open for tastings or tours? You know, I got to say, um, uh, we do tastings. I love to have people come in for tastings. We're not open any regular hours, Chris. Uh, uh, we're a pretty small team of people. and uh, But I welcome listeners. I welcome all people that if they get a chance. Drop us a note through glassdistillery.com. We've got to stay there for tastings because instead of having folks just come in and, and chuck down a, uh, a shot of, uh, of vodka in a very small amount, which is what the, right. the, uh, the government for allows, the board. I'd rather have you come in and learn about the process of vodka, and and actually be a lot less uh, intimidated by the the beautiful copper stills and this thing that is so foreign to so many people. A lot of people have been in breweries and wineries, but very few have been in distilleries. So I like to have people come in and, and spend a few more minutes than just chucking down a shot. So call us or, or uh, book a tasting, and we're happy to, to uh, have folks come in. And that's at glassdistillery.com. Yeah. And uh, Ian McNeil with Glass Distillery. The uh, distillery is on First Avenue in Soto, and I'm looking at this beautiful package. You've got just one of the, the loveliest bottles. Um, it looks like a decanter or a carafe. Um, what's, what's the story behind this beautiful glass? This is part of my art background. So when I designed this bottle, and, I, and I'll tell you this, that's a custom-designed bottle, including that solid glass stopper. It's got a lot of heft to it. Um, I did that on purpose. If you got your iPhone box still because you bought an iPhone years ago, you kept it because you felt like that package was quality. I wanted to do the same thing with this bottle of vodka. So it's recyclable. It's 100% glass. <laughs> Chuck it back in the recycle bin. But if not, fill it with water, fill it with orange juice, fill it with jujubes. I don't care, but reuse it. Skittles. Skittles. <laughs> and I'll tell you, some of the restaurants here locally, um, when they're buying it, they buy this uh, product, and when they return the bottles back, we give them a, we give them a discount for bringing them back to us because uh, they're very reusable. But it's supposed to look like the base is supposed to look like that big, beautiful bottle of, of uh, Chardonnay, and the top is supposed to remind you of your, your grandmother's decanter, and you kind of put it together. Uh. And, I nice clean it. package. And you've got, uh, you make another vodka, which is called Gridiron Vodka, I see, which looks pretty cool. What's the story behind you got that? It. Isn't that crazy? We have this little other product that uh, that has totally taken off. It's called Gridiron. I made this for El Gaucho restaurants in Aqua here locally. Chad McKay over at El Gaucho is a good buddy of mine, and he wanted a local product that um, that they could put their signature on. And uh, what we came up with is a blend of uh, 25% grape-based and 75% grain-based vodka. Put it together. It's like the little sister to glass. It's got a lower price price point. It's a very simple uh, bottle. But that has become a, uh, a really fast-selling product around Washington. And uh, it's also for sale in a Hail Mary over there at that uh, stadium <laughs> where the Seahawks play. Oh, um, man. So. That's awesome. So gridiron vodka. And so this is craft, too. You've got the wheat from Washington? Or? Yeah, everything here is uh, Washington State in there. And um, I tell you, it's just a, it's a fun project. The gridiron, actually, because it, it sounds very football this time of year, it, um, it really has to do with the name of the uh, sort of their VIP society at El Gaucho. And it, uh, it hails from a, uh, a book title. Uh, from years ago. So. Oh, how about that? So yeah. it's got uh, a dual life here. It does. With Chad McKay over at uh, El Gaucho Restaurants, uh, he's a great guy. He's put together a great operation. So you can get glass vodka and gridiron vodka there? You can. And we're, we're uh, you know, pouring for uh, for glass pour, shall I say, or martinis. We're in about 155, 160 restaurants now around the uh, Seattle, Tacoma, Olympia wow. area. Awesome. We are signature martinis at the Fairmont Hotel, the um, the uh, El Gaucho restaurants, Morton's, Capitol Grill, uh, the Olympic uh, Hotel, the Fairmont. I mean, it's it's been fantastic the reception. So if I want to buy a bottle and go practice at home, I can get it where Esquin or oh yeah yeah you can actually get it at Esquin, Total Wines, Wine World, uh, Downtown Spirits. We're all over Puget Sound. Awesome. And I see you've got two pretty bottles. One's gold and one's coffee brown. Yeah, those are two other very uh, very localized flavors that we picked up. You know? Let's talk about the gold one. So that gold one is a honey-infused vodka. It's uh, honey that is taken from the apiary resident right there up at the Salish Lodge here. And uh, we take that product 
and I create a, a beautiful little uh, simple syrup out of it, and it gets uh, blended back into the vodka post-distillation. And I'll tell you, that has been a huge winner. We just brought that out uh, for sale to the public in the uh, uh, October time frame. We made a single batch for the Salish, and they've had it for sale up at the Salish through Cocktails. But now we're selling that in the public, and uh, I can't believe how fast it's been selling. Oh, my. I just opened it here for all of you at Happy Hour Radio Land. It is Happy Hour, by the way. And I just poured myself just a splash of this glass vodka, honey-flavored vodka from Salish Lodge and Spa. It's amazing. Thank you. I am yeah. Just, yeah. Isn't that great? And it's it's the cool thing about it for me is that it's still 40 proof. Yeah, it or, is. Uh, 80 proof. That's exactly what I A lot I of the sweet stuff is, is less than alcohol, and I don't think that holds up to some drink mixing because, you, you know, you need some... You need some uh, some power behind what you're pouring, and yeah, I and think this is beautiful. Chris, you talked about it earlier. The importance of great wines is just like the importance of a great cocktail. It's balanced, and what you, what I can see in your eyes is that it's not overly sugared. No, it tastes like honey, and I'm telling you, three minutes later, you taste and you go, "Wow!" It just still has that natural honey flavor. It's not saccharine. It's not fake honey. Mm, it's got a long finish. That is really cool. I've never had it. Yeah, thanks. And I, I'm uh, I'm smitten by it. I'm stung. Hey, hey. <laughs> stung in love. I'm gonna have to use that, Chris. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, great stuff. That's delicious. And um, now, tell me about uh, the other vodka. It says Kona. Glass Kona. So I do a little coffee roasting on the side just for fun. And uh, come on, I had to do something that celebrates my coffee love and our our city's love of coffee, our famous love. So I use uh, estate grown Kona coffee from the Big Island. We bring it over here. Got uh, local, uh, f- uh, some friends here, local coffee roasters called Seven Coffee Roasters. They do some really nice coffee, and um, we do a proprietary process to infuse the uh, the coffee into the vodka. And um, there is no sugar added to that one. You'll see that that one does not have any sweetness. It's like a beautiful, smooth cup of espresso, and uh, finishes like glass vodka and. Oh, by the way, since it's a natural infusion, it's uh, it's fully caffeinated. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> this is a good way to start the evening, and uh, if you want to continue with the evening on, uh, keep having some uh, some martinis. Wow, I love it. it. I just opened it up, and the aroma is amazing. It smells. Mm, I love just the so color inviting. of this one, Chris. I wish your listeners could see it. It's like a deep, rich, dark cognac color. Wow, that is the real deal. That is just pure Kona coffee. Yeah, man. Mmm. I like the fact that it's got a little bit of tannin, just like a bit of the roasty malt, uh, the roastiness from coffee. You got it. Oh, so delicious. So uh, I'm right here. I can put honey-flavored vodka in my Kona coffee-flavored <laughs> vodka. <laughs> and that's been done. Oh, my goodness. So we're here talking with uh, Ian McNeil of Glass Distillery and uh, about his glass vodka, which is truly amazing, and also his gridiron vodka. I invite everybody to, to try this, because if you're truly a vodka um fan, a, a fanatic out there, taste it blind. Taste it blind against anything you like and um, at room temp and see how it fares because I, I truly believe it's some of the smoothest, um, most mouth appealing. It's got a great mouth feel and that's what's good when it comes to spirits for me. Well balanced, both these things. So uh, we're here on Happy Hour Radio. Again, you can uh, check out Glass Distillery at glassdistillery.com. You can go to the Seahawks Stadium, clink and uh, order some, what's it called? A Hail Mary. A Hail Mary to try some of that gridiron vodka. Or you can go to the El Gaucho restaurants and try anything from Glass Distillery. So happy you're here. It's been a great show. I invite you to go out and get some for Valentine's Day or for any day. Uh, Glass Distillery. Ian, so glad to see you again. And congratulations on your Glass Vodka Distillery project. Hey, Chris, and the congratulations go back to you. Thanks for letting us uh, shake it up here. This is the way to do our premiere show. This is the debut. We got the the best spirits, the best wines in the world. And coming up next week, I hope you'll tune in, Saturdays at 11, we've got uh, Jamie Brown of Waters Winery and 21 Grams. Uh, we have the Collector's Corner with Cordon Selections and uh, my old pal Lenny Reddy from Esquin Wine and Spirits coming up. Uh, don't forget the Seattle Food and Wine Experience is happening February uh, 23rd and um, a great wine class at Esquin, Duckhorn tasting on February 26th. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour Radio. Your host, Christopher Chan, checking out Off to Happy Hour on 570 KVI AM.